Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. We are women, students, and mamas exploring healthy pregnancies, empowered birth, nurtured postpartum, and natural parenting from a holistic, intuitive, and grounded experience. We share knowledge through interviews, stories, and musings. We hope to inspire you to take charge of your childbearing journey for yourself and your family. This show is intended to spark your own curiosity and encourage you to listen to your body, your baby, and your intuition. I'm Mabel. And I'm Sarah. And we are your hosts on Wise Birth Radio. So this week we're going to be picking back up with the second half of mine and my son Olin's birth story. We got part of the way through last time, but then the episode was just too long. So if you haven't listened to the first half yet, I would suggest going back and doing that. Um, And if you have and you just want a refresher, I believe we paused somewhere in active labor shortly before transition. And now we're transitioning into the second part of the story. Okay, so you got into the tub at one point and... We already talked about checking my cervix, so I think we can go to the part where I was starting to have contractions and at the end of them I would like lift up onto my hands and knees. I felt like I was shooting away from them or like being propelled upwards. Mm-hmm. Like I was down in the top of my knees and then up on my knees. <laughs> and I think Patrick was there. We may have been holding hands at one point. And I knew like I was thinking while it was happening this is probably me avoiding lower sensations, like trying to jump away from them. Mm. And I also didn't feel like that was gonna stop my labor or it was a bad thing necessarily. I just like needed a second to adjust to these new feelings and like maybe wasn't ready to Mm. fully embrace it yet. Right. And so it was actually pretty uncomfortable though. It wasn't necessarily, again, it wasn't really painful, but it's just such a different sensation than anything else you've ever experienced. And up until this point, the contractions had been uncomfortable for sure, but not, like this felt like a little crawly out of my skinny. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't just like get me intense. Out of it was like, oh, okay, I don't know if I can do this right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I also, I th- think I felt like throwing up, but I didn't. Mm classic transition situation right exactly <laughs> like that that quote like I don't know if I can do this like almost mm-hmm. but it was I interesting it wasn't like when I imagine people saying I don't know I can do this it's from this like deep place of like oh my god overwhelmed like oh, I don't know if I can do this but this felt more like there were ants crawling over my skin or like hmm. there's something really creepy in front of me hmm. like it wasn't this intense like deep I don't know if I can continue. It was more like an uncomfortable kind of like tingling. I wasn't physically tingling, but I don't know if this makes any sense. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't yeah. know if I've ever heard anybody describe it mm-hmm. like that, um, which is cool. We're also yeah. different. I mean, I wonder if part of it is because I was semi-aware that I could manipulate the way I experienced contractions, that I wasn't in that like depth of whatever maybe you call it pain maybe you call it just not being able to do it like I knew in my head and in my body like I'm doing it this is happening there was no point where I was like oh my god I'm giving Mm. up like it was very clear that I was continuing and this thing would end and I would have a baby Mm -hmm. 
but it was just like this kind of pins and needles moment of like maybe we just like take a break mm -hmm. yeah and especially with semi back-to-back -back contractions I really wanted that second of like fully dilated and now I can just take a little bit right. of a rest right because that happens often mm -hmm. for people once they're fully dilated there's kind of like this I don't know if eye of the storm is is the equal accurate appropriate uh -huh. analogy but but kind of it's like there's this moment of chillness and like a, a regrouping and mm -hmm. regathering of strength and energy and focus before the the next phase of pushing uh -huh. yeah um, i just had i had a thought um it sort of makes sense that that would happen as like giving you a moment to integrate before transitioning to the next you know the next like hormonal aspect of it and the next you know you're becoming more awake you're becoming more uh present in a lot of ways and so it makes sense to have a moment to like transition in between those but i wonder maybe if it's because they were like overlapping and there was no pause between those two sections that it was just that feeling of like that feeling mm. of transition without space you know like right now we're in the fall season and i feel like it's kind of a similar feeling to if I were to not have time to acknowledge this transition of the seasons. If it was just to be summer and then it was fall and I'd be like, whoa, that was uncomfortable. Does this make any sense? Uh, I'm sort of following, but not totally. But maybe other people will. I mean, I in I my head, like I'm seeing one color. That's the first part of the labor, the dilating stage. And then it fades into this other color. That's the pushing stage. And if there's a break, then there can be a really harmonious blend between the colors. Yeah. And if there isn't, then it's like two colors that don't really go together that are happening at the same time. And yeah. It's just and that, uncomfortable. And that can cause some like friction and tension. Yeah. 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 I think I. <laughs> Sometimes I um. just get a little out there with my metaphors. <laughs> so okay. So. How long were you kind of feeling this like jumping away sensation before? I didn't feel like that long. I feel like it was fewer than 10 contractions probably. Uh -huh. I mean, you were watching it, but. And then I was like, all right, this is what's going on. Then I need to start getting serious about pushing uh -huh. or about just like moving this thing along. Oh, Lingis, why do you always do this when we're recording podcasts? You should be asleep. He wants his moment to shine. Oh, yeah, yeah, you had your moment to shine. This is what we're talking about right now. <laughs> okay, so we got out of the tub, went to the toilet because that was my favorite place. Pushed for a little bit there. Well, not really pushed. Had contractions there that started to feel pushy and grunty. And then at some point it was suggested, or I suggested, or something happened and we decided to move to the bedroom where he was ultimately born. And it was this very small bedroom with a very tall bed. And I sort of wish someone had made a video of how me as this like deep in labor land pregnant lady climbed onto this like <laughs> three foot high bed. Definitely a high bed, yeah. Maybe even more, like three and a half. More. And there was like just enough room around the outside of the bed on the foot and the side for all five people who were there. So it was kind of crowded and it was the middle of the day. So in general, everything was 
opposite of how I imagined it to be. Yeah. Which was dark I mean, and cave-like and mostly alone. And, I mean, do you feel like... I mean, I definitely took note that I was like, oh my gosh, this is doesn't quite feel ideal. Mm-hmm. There's way too many people here. We're all Super way bright. too close. And it was just, I was going through my head like, hey, who could leave? Like, Patrick's not going to leave. The midwife isn't going to leave. I guess she could. I mean, I guess in reality, all of us could have stepped out. Yeah. Probably not Patrick, because I feel like Probably you not. wanted him there the most. But, um... Yeah, it was definitely a moment for me to think about, like, mm-hmm. of course I didn't want to, I guess I could have, <laughs> but um, yeah, just taking note that it didn't seem ideal, and with that, do you feel like, besides it not being ideal, do you feel like it slowed things down or affected the way that you were laboring? Um, I think it probably, it didn't slow things down. It doesn't really seem like this labor was possible to slow down. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I feel like it, I did definitely feel a little more external than I probably would have liked. And mm. being more internal, I imagine, would have felt a little more manageable, but also a little more special. All right, we got to switch this baby around. Okay. Um, on the bed oh yeah I you felt like I asked if it how much you felt like it impacted you and you said you felt like you would have been able to go deeper inwards but nothing was really gonna slow the labor down yeah that's where we were yeah everything continued and nothing was horrible but it definitely I didn't feel like I was really deeply rooted for the pushing part. Like it was more, I had more external awareness than I think was best, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Like I don't really remember talking to him or even thinking about the fact that there was a baby. Mm -hmm. It's just like the feelings of pushing and Mm -hmm. definitely part of my brain there was this awareness of like all these people are staring at my butt. Yeah, so again, good notes for next time. Yeah. Yeah, pushing was very different than I expected. Much more uncomfortable. I might even go so as far as to call this part painful. <laughs> I think I imagined it as like once you've made it through the initial you know, like first stage or whatever they say, contractions that the pushing part would be easier or feel like perhaps triumphant. Mm. Or something. I've heard so many people even say like, yeah, the pushing felt so good. Yeah. And it did not feel good for me. Mm-hmm. I was screaming like a crazy person. And I was aware, yeah. I was like, maybe I should try to have some more low sounds, but it was not happening. Huh. Um, I didn't think your screaming was that crazy. Sounded crazy to me. <laughs> I've still been scared to watch the birth video because I don't want to hear myself scream like that. I really want to watch it. We'll do it. Okay. I was actually, we're coming up on his 
like same number of days out as in mm. next week, I think. Wow. Finally gonna plant the placenta. Oh yeah. <laughs> I got two of those to take care of. Anyways. So yeah, I, at what point, well, yeah, you just keep going with your pushing. All right. Well, it felt like I just kept going and going mm-hmm. and going. It felt like it was taking forever and I didn't have any sense. Like I couldn't feel him moving down. It didn't really feel like anything was happening. Mm, I remember that with my you. I didn't feel that yeah. either. But I knew, but, like at the same you, time, right, I sorry, felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Right. You Yes. Because I was cheering you on and later you told me that that was really annoying yeah, you and, and the midwife both were like you got and this you were like i was like i, I know the cheering squad i know what this is what i'm supposed to do yeah. i know i got this so that's cool to hear that even though you couldn't feel him moving down you still felt confident that the way that you were pushing was effective yeah yeah i mean it definitely took a couple of track contractions to figure it out but mm-hmm. there was no time where i felt like i needed someone else to tell me how to push or where mm-hmm. to push or to have any sort of encouraging words that that you can <laughs> make it through. I mean, I'm generally not not great with cheerleaders. Yeah. You know, I'm like, just leave me alone and I'll do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I felt like I was pushing for a million years. I think it was a little less than an hour. Mm-hmm. Maybe about an hour. Um, but, you know, when you have contractions without much space it's more contractions in an hour than it might be otherwise that is very true mm-hmm. um and yeah I just didn't feel like I guess that's I've heard people say that like they forgot that the baby was coming and like they you know that was the moment for me where I was like I'm just doing this really hard work mm-hmm. and I wasn't really remembering why necessarily Mm -hmm. do you feel like it could have been helpful for someone to remind you of that or like do you think that could have been some form of external support that maybe would have been helpful maybe or like reminding me to connect with the baby Mm. i think that might have been helpful that's that's good take Mm -hmm. note of I don't think that you can really go wrong with suggesting that to someone. <laughs> Maybe, but uh-huh. I think that's a pretty fail-proof comment. Yeah. And Patrick the whole time was just like sitting in the corner of the room doing nothing. But I think, I, hopefully I said this earlier in the episode. We've tried to do this episode a couple times. Um, hopefully I've said early in the episode that just his way of being there was so special and I could feel it. Mm. Even though he didn't do anything or say anything and I couldn't see him. Mm-mm. That's really sweet. Yeah. So I was on my hands and knees for this whole time on the bed, facing away from all the people, the cheering squad. Sorry, I got little baby fingers in my mouth. Um, and eventually there was part of his head coming through. And I looked down and I don't think I said something. I do think that I said something that it looked like a little date because it's just like this squishy oval it looks like a date thing. or it felt like a date yeah probably both yeah um but you didn't you couldn't see it i feel like i did oh did we hand you a mirror i don't know you saw it with your inner eye i saw it with somebody's eyes 
I mean, maybe I was just like sitting back enough that I could see it. I don't know. Now I'm like trying to experiment to see if I can see between my legs. <laughs> yeah, and so that part of his head was out and remained out for probably two or three contractions. Maybe more, but maybe not. Um, but it felt like a long time, and I was like, why is this stupid head coming out? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was... You know, I, f- I imagined that when people experience like ring of fire sensa- sensations, it's just like for one contraction while the head is passing through a certain point with like a certain circumference of the head. But for me, I felt like I felt that intense stretching sort of at the end of every contraction for three or four. That makes sense uh, to me. Yeah, I think it does. And then all of a sudden he shot out. So there was this little tiny bit of his head out, and then all of a sudden there was a little tiny baby boy between my legs. Whole body. Yep, there was no... I mean, oh, I was really looking forward to, and am still with subsequent babies, that moment of like, I'm holding its head, I'm mm-hmm. about to have a baby in my arms. Mm-hmm. But this little guy just shot out. Which is interesting, because it's like almost another point of like not having transition, yeah. a transitional face. Yeah, I haven't thought about that until now, but... Uh-huh. And there weren't any transitional pauses. And maybe we already said this, but like not even have it between the contractions. It was just like yeah, one not up to between, another, up to another, up to another. Yeah, and then also not between like being pregnant and being in labor. There was no transition. Like you're all this. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. Wow. Hmm. Intervest. Yes. What does it all mean? Oh, baby's okay. So he was out. He was out. He peed on me almost immediately. He was very cute. I was like, oh, welcome to life with a baby boy. <laughs> I think we all giggled a little mm-hmm. bit. I think I said something about how he looks like an old Jewish man. He did. Yeah, he was all wrinkly and hairy and vernixy. He had hair on his shoulders and his ears and his back and his butt. He was very cute. And very dark. Yeah. Very dark. Yeah, and Lots he had so hair much hair on, on his head. head. Jinx. He still has a lot of hair on its head. Oh, yeah. Head, but it's lightening up. For, but for a newborn, it was a, quite a head of hair. Yeah. So he popped out. I think I found a way to sit back, sort of, and held him. This is another moment where I was imagining this transitional space of, like, having him on the bed and just taking the time that I needed before I wanted to pick him up. But it just didn't feel right. And so I picked him up pretty shortly after after he peed (laughs) and I think within pretty shortly after the midwife noticed that he was having some chest retractions and some nostril flaring which can mean that the baby is having a hard time figuring out how to breathe oh but when he was born he did cry pretty right straight away Mm. and I didn't notice or feel like anything was off I mean, I was not at all with my brain by that point. Like, mm-hmm. that head coming through finally just, like, <laughs> shattered it. Just <laughs> great. Finally, Squashed I got Squashed your brains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was a part of me that was definitely a little, like, my hairs were pricked or mm-hmm. however you say that for, yeah. phrase. But um, especially after Stephanie's birth, whose baby needed to go to the hospital, um... And in that birth, I was like, oh, everything's fine. And then everything was not fine very quickly. So I was kind of like, oh, okay. 
I'm gonna really pay very close attention to exactly what's happening with the baby. And so when I noticed the retractions and such, I was like, hmm, okay, is everything okay? Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the midwife pretty quickly asked asked me and sort of helped me to do some postural drainage with him to see if he had some fluid that needed to come out. And I, I have no way of knowing now how much of an emergency situation it was, but I wish that she had given me a couple more seconds to like understand what she was Compute. saying and do it for myself. Mm-hmm. Because I really, really felt strongly about no one else touching the baby after he was born to the extent that it was possible. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I could have done everything that was done to him in the end by myself without anyone else's hands. So we together did some postural drainage and then she suggested that I give him a few breaths, which I did. How did that feel? Again, it didn't really feel necessary. Mm. I didn't, you know, I've heard some really beautiful stories about women giving their own, giving their babies breaths by themselves and how, like how profound that can be. But for me, I was doing it and I was like, I don't really feel like I need to do this. Hmm. Yeah, and it's one of those things that we'll never know. But I think the beautiful thing about giving breaths is like, with some things that you don't know if it's going to be helpful or not, or really necessary, giving breaths is definitely not going to cause any harm. So it's not like there's any um, downside to it. Yeah, and I didn't feel like bothered by the intimacy with him you know Mm -hmm. it was a nice moment to connect yeah I just didn't feel like necessarily meddling or like fiddling around was necessary but it wasn't unpleasant yeah but I mean clearly it wasn't that big of a situation or what we did resolved it very quickly because he ended up getting like a nine and a ten app car right. one in five minutes so right 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 by one minute he was looking like a perfect little baby right mm-hmm thankfully yeah and it was a perfect little baby who was what seven pounds and three or four ounces I don't seven something I can't yeah, remember I think exactly seven, three but, or seven, four. but we were definitely I think all pleasantly surprised when yeah. we found out how much he was because I mean I wasn't really surprised I mean okay great <laughs> but the midwife just, think, when she came back on like day two or three or something she uh, was like I don't understand how that baby fit in there uh-huh yeah I mean you did he's all squished up you were far from belly. huge so it was yeah <laughs> little belly yeah. regular size baby he was a great great healthy little guy mm-hmm. and what was was he like super alert or was he kind of sleepy or what like what was the following moments after the after it was pretty clear that yeah after he the was, breathing kerfuffle he was all wrapped up in blankets and we were sitting back on the bed and I think he was he was definitely there like he wasn't falling asleep or seeming elsewhere I felt like he was a pretty present baby as much as a tiny newborn can be. Um, and I started thinking about my placenta, what felt like five minutes, but I could just like feel sort of the change of energy in the room, like it's time to start thinking about my placenta. Mm. 
and I wasn't feel like I wasn't really feeling cramps. I think when I fasted, I was feeling cramps, and I was like, eh, like sort of, kind of. Mm. But I wasn't really feeling anything happening in my body, and I didn't feel internally an urge to get the scent out. But I did feel like I wanted everything to be over and all the people to go away so I could go to sleep. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let's make this placenta thing happen. Mm. And it was very tricky for me. Mm-hmm. I was like up sort of squatting on the bed, I think, for a little bit. And then I was standing up. On the side of the bed. the bed. Uh-huh. And then I was back down laying on the bed. And eventually, like, I ended up pushing while the midwife had some traction on the cord and the placenta came out and it had been like right there. It wasn't like it was still stuck or attached. Right. And, and we yanked it out. It right. was just like sitting there. And what? But it wouldn't come out. What about, um, what signs were showing you that you knew that it had already detached? Well, Do you remember while specifically? I, was, I mean, while I was working to get it out, I could definitely feel that the cord was getting longer. Mm-hmm. And I'm super curious next time to have a more undisturbed fourth stage. Yeah. Because I would love to know the feeling of, like, that's a placenta in my vagina. Mm. Because you didn't feel it in your vagina. I didn't really feel it. Interesting. I wonder if part of it was because I had such a significant tear Uh, that, like, I wasn't, my body wasn't really open to sensations in uh that area. If you had just kind of blocked it off. Yeah. Yeah, the plus, the fourth stage is so, I feel like so not often thought about before mm-hmm. and talked about and it's so potent yeah. and so strong and powerful and... And so easy to rush it and be like, ah, oh, the baby's oh, born, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, definitely, but, but really impactful, like I've heard of a number of other moms whose births I've been at and like how the fourth stage was handled really some of Mm -hmm. them well some of them not how they would have liked and it was it really you know impacted them um and I feel like I could have said just leave me alone I'll birth this placenta when I want to Mm -hmm. but again I didn't want to I didn't want to do it that I was like let's just get this yeah yeah well that's also the thing is like Everybody wants to rest at, at that point and just like c- close those doors. Like, okay, the birth is complete. Yeah. And I wonder maybe if I'd had, if I'd felt less watched, mm-hmm. that that whole third and fourth stage would have been a little bit more graceful and mm-hmm. felt more in the flow and less like I was trying to force something to happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because, um, well, if we want to continue on with this theme of, like, not having much of a transition, I'm just thinking now how, like, because I remember the midwife describing your placenta as just, like, being sticky. Like, it was just sticky and stuck in there. And I I don't really know what causes that. No idea. But, um... I'm just kind of like playing around here exploring ideas but 
it's almost as if you maybe on some part of you is like okay now i'm gonna slow this part down <laughs> like i finally need a slow transition now uh -huh. or something i mean i have no idea but i do wonder like what why was that what caused that stickiness mm -hmm. but um yeah i think a big theme i mean i'd love to do a whole nother episode on like more lifelong themes that came up with me as I was digesting this birth experience, but a big mm -hmm. one was learning to to trust, I mean, not even to trust myself because I knew that I did trust myself, but to be able to block out other people's expectations and assumptions and just say, I don't really care, this is what I'm doing. This is how this is gonna go. You mm. can just keep your, like, your worried energy or your expectant energy or even your cheerleader energy like you keep that over there and I will do my own thing over here mm -hmm. just like really separating trying to she, meet anyone else's expectations or schedule or does that feel like a boundary thing yeah mm -hmm. yeah and it feels like not quite a people-pleasing thing but not wanting to do something wrong or to disappoint or to get into a situation with someone right like not want to be confrontational I'm just yeah. like all right it's easier and and just like seemingly more peaceful on the surface to just like kind of go along with this yeah but ultimately as I've been digesting the birth experience more I think that was in my best interest mm -hmm. and it was such an impactful lesson yeah like so many things, like so many births are. Mm -hmm. All right, so placenta was out, baby was out, baby was breathing. I was good. Oh, I wasn't good. I had a pretty deep second degree tear. I mean, I was good, oh, but yeah. despite that. And I definitely, I remember feeling as he was shooting out, like this is, Like, this is not the feeling of tissue stretching. Mm. <laughs> this is too fast. I, it didn't feel painful, but it definitely felt like that was not just a stretch. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense, because like there was like a two-inch diameter thing stretching it, and uh -huh. then all of a sudden, giant baby head. Yeah. Because he came out with like this little section of his head right behind his forehead first. Right, he was not... Well flexed. Not well what is flexed. This? I feel like this is called like military or something. Yeah. And they come I think so. with the forehead. Well, it's not quite the forehead. Yeah, it was but just it's like his head straight up. Yeah. Like he was standing up straight. And looking straight ahead. Yeah. yeah. And so he came out and he had this big old bump right there on his head. It, again, it looked like there was a date glued to his head. It's kind of cute and funny. Apologies for the baby noises. There's nothing to do with this guy. <laughs> He's just incorrigible. incorrigible. He's a rascal. So, the midwife said that I had, I think, what she considered a reasonably deep second-degree tear. Um, and she suggested sutures. And I just said, no, thank you. And I didn't really need to think about it. I sort of pretended to think about it. But, like, as soon as she suggested it, I was like, no. Mm -hmm. I will not. I will heal on my own mm -hmm. and it's probably going to mean 
that I will be less active in the coming weeks, and that is fine. Right, which you're already planning on. Yeah, and part of it was definitely like, there's no way I can imagine wanting needles down there right now. Mm. But part of it was also just a really deep knowing that I didn't need that. It was unnecessary. That's great that you didn't Yeah. Didn't have any question about it. It was just very clear. No. Nope. Patrick had some questions about it, but I was like, listen, dude, if it's your perineum, <laughs> you get to make the decision. Yeah. I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. I think we'll talk a little bit more about how that healing happened in the postpartum podcast. Right. And then... And then we went to sleep. And then you went to sleep. So she didn't, you guys did she, didn't do, she didn't do a newborn exam or anything like that? She no. just weighed him? Yeah, I asked to do it the next day. Because, mm-hmm. again, I didn't want anyone touching him for... I mean, honestly, I would have been fine if no one else touched him for a week. Do you want to talk any more about that? Just, like... I don't actually... I'm sure there's science on the hormone and the smells and the bonding and all that. And I don't know that much about it. It just felt really strongly to me, like, since the pushing started up until he was, like, a week old, I just wanted this big bubble of, like, actual space. Mm. Not just, like, emotional or energetic space, but, like, physical space. Mm. Hands off. Just just leave me alone. (laughs) And I know that you can research and find things about how, you know, the baby smells the mom and other smells can disrupt that bond and yada yada. Hmm. Yeah, the whole bonding topic is so... It's pretty cool. So cool and interesting and I have so many questions about it. But, um, yeah, and you had also mentioned the golden hour and just how important that felt to you and how you were really... Yeah, again, another transition that I didn't get to experience this time. Well, at least not in the way that you... Yeah, not in the spaciousness that I imagined. Right. Yeah, I think because of his breathing and... And do you want to, like, paint a detailed picture of what exactly you were hoping for? Yeah, what I am hoping for what still you are. with the right. next one. Yeah, exactly. But. And this is something that I think even people that describe themselves as hands-off midwives... I think this is something that not many people have actually truly seen is like an hour after the baby's born just leave the mom and the baby and the partner alone because mm-hmm. Carla Hartley I think she said no padding, no padding, no chatting or something along those lines, mm-hmm. right? No padding, no padding, no... Yes. No padding, no padding, no chatting, right? Mm-hmm. They don't... Mom and baby don't need anything in that moment. Of course, you know, like... Well, yeah, barring emergency situations. Right. But in a normal circumstance, neither of them needs anything in that moment, except maybe like some food or something to drink, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, except each other. Mm-hmm. And just to be able to like have some time for that experience to soak in and for the new reality to come together. Yeah, wow. Of being two people instead of being one person all of a sudden. Such a magnificent portal of... Mm-hmm experience right right after that it's just yeah immense and when I feel into it like I can see this kind of column in my mm-hmm. mind it's like I mean it's called the golden hour so this could be why but there's like this column of or pillar of golden light around this family mm-hmm. that goes straight up and if it's 
interrupted, that would be like diluted in some ways. Mm, wow. And I feel like that could be such a powerful opportunity for for intuition or for however you want to call it, downloads. Yeah. Cosmic awareness. Just yeah. like being able to be fully open and undisturbed in that moment. Uh-huh. So again, things to work for next time. Mm-hmm. And things to really think hard about as we start practicing ourselves. Like how can we both allow this to happen, but also how can we empower, educate, inspire clients to feel comfortable in that space? Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I think something that I'm, I'm often just wondering how to hold the other hold the other side of the scale is like obviously this is the ideal and we all well, maybe not everybody wants this but it, it we see the beauty and the power of it and if it doesn't go that way how to not feel like let down or I don't know maybe feeling let down is okay but I guess not get attached to it or like have yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just like with every imagination or vision that we have for our birth experiences. I mean, for our life, really. Mm-hmm. How to have that inspiration and that vision that you're working towards and like really holding strongly, but not being attached to. So if something happens differently, you can flow with that as well. Yeah, I guess. I guess being able to flow with it is. Yeah, but I think it's still okay to feel. Like grief is too strong of a word, but perhaps mild grief. I was going to say disappointment. <laughs> it's a little more than disappointment, I think. Yeah. Because it yeah. is like a, it's a missed opportunity for something really special. Mm. And I feel that pretty strongly. Mm. Well, I hope that this provides some some points for people to really ponder and think about. Yeah for their own experiences and births coming forward. I mean, especially with the newborn exam, I just want to say, if you're midwife or care providers, like right away, we got to do this newborn exam. It's a little ridiculous. You can wait an hour, you can wait a day. Yeah, and I feel like with most midwives that I've, they've been like, do you want to do it now or tomorrow? And it's like, oh, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe the next day. But my point was, is that what I've seen is that usually pretty much fine with waiting a little yeah, bit. Yeah, definitely. At least around here. Okay, so did you finally got some tea and some food mm-hmm. and... I think there'd been, there's this recipe in the Ayurvedic postpartum cookbook that I really like for like a new mother's first rice pudding mm-hmm. that requires simmering for many hours. And oh, I think it's so been, good right now. I know, I would love some rice pudding. I think it had been cooking up while I was laboring. Whoa. It's full um, of ghee and digestive spices and just like super simple and nourishing. Sweet, yummy, creamy mush. Mm-hmm. I think my mom fed it to me. Oh, oh and we, we burned his cord. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I just like, from, even in pregnancy, just like imagining cutting his cord just felt too sharp too abrupt Mm. it just didn't feel right and so Patrick built this really beautiful 
little cedar um, cornbread. We had these green beeswax tapers. And I was holding the babes after the placenta was out in a metal bowl on the bed. And first me and Patrick were holding the candles on either side to burn the cord through in the middle. And then I think at some point I got tired or I needed to, in my other hand, to hold the baby or something. And my mom and Patrick ended up mm. burning the cord. It felt really significant and like entering or like welcoming the baby into the family while also detaching it from, you know, from its life source, from what, what it knew kept it alive. It's like his first layer of independence yeah. almost. But all, not, I mean, not just independence because it's welcoming, into, welcoming him into a greater realm of support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I like the placenta was his first family. Mm. We were like initiating him into his second family with his grandmother and his papa. And me. Mm. Yeah. Sweet. It smelled a little bit, but not as much as I would have expected. <laughs> and it took a little bit of time. Mm. The midwife had never witnessed that before. And I'd like done some research and sent her some things beforehand. But I don't even remember her there at that point. Um, what about his nursing? His nursing. I feel like the first time he latched, it was pretty much exactly how I expected it to be, which was not like anything I'd experienced before. I'm like, whoo, that is a serious vacuum situation. Mm. But I don't remember it being painful right off the bat. I think that developed in the coming days. Mm-hmm. Which, which, yeah, again, we get into in the postpartum podcast. Whole tongue-tie nursing situation. Yeah, but I think at first it was, it just felt natural. It felt like this is how it goes. We're going to figure it out. Hey, you. Mm-hmm. I do remember that first night. Mm-hmm. We were all asleep in this what felt like a very small bed and he couldn't sleep for very long because his nose was getting all stuffed up it was pretty dark we were sleeping in the same bed obviously and I couldn't really see him but I just remember like waking up and hearing him making all these adorable little cat noises (laughs) but also I could tell he couldn't sleep because he couldn't breathe through his nose and I was just like sucking stuff out of his nose all night long with your mouth yeah I was like, I could get up and, like, get something, but, I mean, he was just inside my vagina, so. <laughs> it's not that weird to suck stuff out Basically of his nose. Basically just, like, licking my finger. I don't know. Yeah. Not quite. <laughs> I mean, my finger after just it's felt like my uterus. Yeah. Like, he had been kind of cleaned off. Anyways. Yes. <laughs> oh, but about cleaning off, we didn't give him a bath. I feel like it was for about a week. I just had no desire to wash him off. I loved his little mm. little vernix and his little tiny baby smell. And it didn't feel quite right to wash him for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like there was no need to and it felt like maybe physical protection or maybe energetic protection, like just keeping that, keeping his energy there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is there anything else to say about the birth? No, I feel like we 
We're pretty thorough. Yeah. It took us like two weeks to come up with a name for him. Oh, yeah. My mother came up with all kinds of crazy names. We called him Bobo for two weeks, mostly. Um, and then he got his name. And I think that's all there is. What does his name mean? Uh, Olin is a Norse name. And depending on which internet entry you read, it means either like of the ancestors or inheritance or something that's, you know, something along the lines of things that are passed down. Hmm. And honestly, it doesn't have knew that. that much significance to me. The name just felt like the right name. Yeah. Well, it's still a beautiful meaning. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I tell people that and they're like, oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, yes. There's spiritual source. But <laughs> it doesn't, I mean, I'm sure we'll see how it's the right name for him. Yeah. But in the moment, it wasn't like we looked up that name and we were like, yes, this is what his name has to mean. I just like the sound of it. Oh, yeah. Olin Ren Gillespie. And Ren, it was going to be R-E-N, which means things that I honestly forget in Japanese. Um, but we didn't want his initials to be O-R-G, so it's Ren like the little bird with a W. But I feel like the sound still carries the same meanings. Mm. It's Olin Ren Gillespie. And he won't be quiet through an entire podcast episode. <laughs> you got to hear all about him in multiple ways. <laughs> yep. About him and from him. Yes. <laughs> All right, so that about wraps it up. As we mentioned a couple times, there'll be a few follow-up podcasts, podcast episodes. So look out for those. Um, please give us some stars, preferably five, and let us know what you think about our podcast, what you especially like, what was new to you or what was especially moving to you. Because we love to hear what you want to hear more of and what's working for you. Because we're not just putting out this podcast to hear ourselves talk. We want it to be really impactful and useful for you all who are listening. And I also want to share that if you know anyone or you yourself live in the Hudson Valley, Kingston area, we are hosting monthly prenatal circles the last Wednesday of each month from 7 to 9 p.m. in Kingston. We just had our first one and it was so lovely and so sweet. So I think we're all looking forward to continuing that. So uh, you can check, well, those are the details, but if you want to reach out to us on Instagram or email us. Our website is catskillsbirth.org and our Instagram is at catskillsbirthcollective. I think that's all. Thanks for sticking with us. And we'll try to put up some cool birth pictures with this. Oh, yes. Maybe one day I'll feel brave enough to do the video. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) All right. Have a lovely day, folks. Thanks for listening.